0: is ProRata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the inclusion of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, why the new unemployment number is even worse than it looks and who got left out of the $2 trillion stimulus bill. But first bailing out hospitals. So last night, the U.S. Senate did pass the two trillion dollar stimulus bill, and it includes help for hospitals and related parts of the healthcare system. This is something hospitals have been begging for. And the key piece is a 100 billion dollar no strings attached fund for hospitals and other healthcare providers so they can, quote, continue to receive the support they need for covid-19 related expenses and lost revenue, end quote. In short, It helps the helpers. The bill also increases payments to hospitals treating Medicare patients with COVID-19. It requires employers and insurers to pay hospitals and labs for COVID-19 tests if a contract isn't already in place. And it temporarily suspends the so-called sequestration of Medicare payments, which had cut provider reimbursement by 2%. It's what the hospitals wanted. And then some, particularly rural hospitals that were already struggling, and some urban public hospitals that are being overrun with coronavirus cases. But there also are some things that didn't make the cut, particularly when it comes to out of pocket patient costs. We'll dig into all of it in 20 seconds with Axios healthcare reporter Bob Herman. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at Bridge Bank is a
1: central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, Bridge Bank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. Bridge Bank is a division of
0: Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Healthcare reporter Bob Herman. Prior to the coronavirus crisis, were there a lot of hospitals that were already running kind of thin when it came to finances?
1: Yeah, there definitely were. The hospital system is kind of bifurcated. There are hospitals that have not been doing well. The case is very clear in rural hospitals and a lot of public safety net hospitals. But then there are other hospitals, many of the for-profits and especially some of the larger not-for-profit academic centers that have been doing quite well. So there's kind of varying across different hospitals, but the rural and public safety nets were doing the worst. Some of the other ones have been doing quite well.
0: With this, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks and the coronavirus crisis, and, and particularly which seems to be particularly hitting some of those larger urban hospitals in cities like New York, Seattle. Explain why those systems also right now felt they needed a bailout, or or was this not for them? Was this for that other category, that, that smaller rural hospital group?
1: So last week, there was a call where a lot of rural hospitals and public safety hospitals, they spoke with reporters, and they were basically saying, we need money as soon as possible, especially for some rural hospitals and the public safety net's They were close to not meeting payroll. They were running out of supplies like face masks and gowns and ventilators. It was clear for them that they were on some kind of brink of collapse because they were already kind of living on the edge anyway. And we see that in New York, there are public hospital systems there that are absolutely overwhelmed. Reporters on the ground there basically compared to a war zone. But some of the other hospitals in New York, you know, the New York Presbyterians or the NYU Langone, those have plenty of money. They're not in any danger of going under. The bailout money is presumably for those more at risk, but there's a lot we don't know about it.
0: Presumably aren't the ones who are gonna get the money, but as you say, the allocations aren't specific yet. What are the, say, one or two or three biggest things you still want to know about how what passed last night is gonna be actually implemented?
1: Right, so we know that hospitals writ large are going to be getting a no-strings-attached $100 billion fund. We know that HHS is gonna be setting up some kind of process so hospitals can, can apply to get money from that fund. We have no idea what that looks like. So that's going to be very important. But I think everyone would want the hospitals most at risk to get that money. But I really want to know what that process is going to look like. I think it's also we're going to need to know how these enhanced payment policies are going to play out as well.
0: Explain what enhanced, what do you mean by enhanced payment policies?
1: Sure. So there are some enhanced payment policies where basically hospitals either get higher rates now or they can basically put in claims and say, give us an advance on some of our Medicare payments because we're so overwhelmed right now. So we need to understand if those payments are enough to cover some of their costs. And there's also other policies in the bailout that basically allow hospitals and out-of-network labs to charge whatever they want to commercial insurers, and employers. There's a lot that we know is in there and it seems necessary for hospitals. There also are these things where we know hospitals could presumably benefit. And I just want to add one other thing. The reason why this is even on the table is because hospitals are getting overwhelmed with supplies, their costs are running higher, and they had to cancel a lot of electric procedures, joint replacements, things that aren't necessary to do right away. And they're saying that lost revenue is going to hurt them. But The money that is being allocated here is more than 10% than what we normally spend an entire year on hospital care. So this is not some kind of small amount of money And there are a lot of hospitals that have been doing quite well it's still unclear who's going to totally benefit from this
0: bob can i ask quickly on the politics of this democrats were saying earlier in the week after mcconnell came out with his original version of this stimulus package late last week democrats said that they needed money for hospitals and that was a big thing that they said they were going to fight for were the democratic charges accurate from your perspective that republicans at least in their initial bill were not dealing with the hospital crisis financially
1: I think both political parties were allocating money to hospitals. Democrats were very much more willing to throw more money at the situation. We saw that as a result, especially with Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is very close with the hospital industry in the states, and he was a big reason why the funding got pushed. But I think in all the bills that I've seen, there had been funding allocated to hospitals. It was just a matter of magnitude.
0: Bob, is there a concern about, you know, when we talk about allocation, is there a concern about allocation when it comes to time? In other words, that if HHS and everyone else, if if they start saying, okay, these hospitals are going to get this amount of money, that they're going to give money right now to areas that are being hardest hit, like New York, which makes sense, except it might mean there is no money left when an area gets hit in a month from now that we're not even talking about yet.
1: Right. And that's why so much matters about how this current pool of funding ultimately gets allocated. Who gets to apply? Is there a structure for first come, first served? Or is there an allocation for those who get hardest hit now? That's why I think, and others have thought the same thing, that there might be another stimulus package down the road. Whether hospitals get included as part of that, we don't know. But it would not be surprising because hospitals have been banging this drum for weeks now saying, we need money, we need money. Obviously, some part of that is true, but if we blow through this $100 billion in a matter of a month, I'm going to question whether all of a sudden we need to throw more money at that because we know that some hospitals do have the means to cope with this. Definitely not all, but a lot do.
0: Very quickly, Bob, is there anything in here that is for patients specifically, in other words, that would actually lower the cost of coverage or of health care for patients?
1: Some of the other stimulus bills patients if they go and get a, a test to see if they have COVID 19 they don't have any sharing with that that means they don't have to be a copay nothing with that but in in this most recent package there had been a hope to tackle what are called surprise medical bills that's when you go to the hospital maybe you see a doctor that's out of network and then you get tagged for a bill later on that was not addressed so if you're a patient that's very concerning because you might be sick you might be worried And then the last thing you want to do about two months from now is getting a bill from the hospital. So that was not included. There are also no subsidies for COBRA, which is the insurance that you could pay for if you lose your job. So there's concern that people who lose their jobs and get sick how are they going to get coverage? There are other options, but they're concerned that they might not be able to keep their employer coverage reasonably.
0: And on Surprise Medical Bills, Bob, I think that was the last time you were on the show. We did an episode on that for folks who want to look. That was December 11th of last year. Bob Herman of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. My final two, right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central
1: hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise, delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, Bridge Bank now offers service for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services.
0: Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is today's news that nearly 3.3 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week, up from just around 150,000 the week before. It's the biggest ever spike in US history and is actually worse than it sounds. How so? Well, for starters, the numbers don't include independent contractors like gig economy workers. Second, it doesn't include anyone who was furloughed instead of laid off, a distinction that lets people keep their healthcare insurance but they don't continue to get paid. And finally, there are all sorts of reports that certain state unemployment offices were unable to process all of their claims in time for the weekly deadline because of the massive volume increases. So expect more bad news next report and maybe worse news. And finally, speaking of getting left out, the $2 trillion stimulus package passed last night by the Senate is designed to act as a sort of safety net for American citizens, permanent residents, and businesses. But not all people or businesses will necessarily qualify. On the personal side, everything is tied to 2018 taxes. And the more you make, the less you get. So if you earn significantly less today than you did in 2018, you don't get the added benefit. And if you happen to not work at all in 2018, maybe because you were a full-time student, then you're also out of luck. And as something that makes it even more complicated, this is all being tied to direct deposit. So if you didn't file your taxes with direct deposit in 2018, it could be weeks, maybe months, before you actually get your check. On the business side, two categories that feel forgotten this morning. First, anything associated with cannabis. They're still not legal on a federal level, and this is a federal program. Second, many smaller private equity-owned companies. Specifically, the Bill's small business loans are for any company with fewer than 500 employees. But the Small Business Administration looks at ownership. That means if you're a private equity-owned company with 100 employees, you wouldn't qualify if your private equity owner has nine other companies with 100 employees each. You're all considered affiliated, even though you're really not. Expect lobbyists to push hard for an exemption, but it's notable that there was no exemption in the bill. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Nougat Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another ProRata Podcast.